Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. We have the man of the hour, the one and only Matthew Errett. You can find him over at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the RisingTideFoundation.net. Check him out on Substack, Substack.com forward slash Matthew Errett, and make sure you, you get his books. The books are super important. The Clash of Two of the Two Americas, Clash of the Two Americas, Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 is out. Make it a stocking stuffer for this holiday season. Make it a recommended reading in your household, The Clash of the Two Americas. And before we begin with Matt, we have a special reporter who is right now on the ground. He is one of Zelensky's. In fact, we are told that he is Zelensky's cocaine supplier. Uh, he goes by the name of Slava Kokaina. Uh, he is uh, of Latin descent, but somehow he is in Ukraine. Slava Kokena, how are you, sir? Everything is totally fine, Gila. <laughs> Slava Kokena, I, I was I heard that uh the Russians are are losing, they're running away. Yes, yes. They're almost out of artillery. Everything is totally fine. I still have internet, I still have my green skin, and everything is good. My bed is still intact over there. You can't see that it's a bed over there in the corner. It's blue. Slava Kokena, my question my question to you, Slava Kokena, is this um uh, how is President Zelensky doing? Uh, we are so astounded by his bravery and his courage in the face of insurmountable odds. He's a real hero to the Western world. He is on a ship right now near Jamaica. I heard the last the last settings. He's the the you're 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 insinuating that the great leader, the courageous warlord leader, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, is now retreating, and he's in the Caribbean. He is indeed, yes. Slava Kokena, we want to thank you so much. Folks, that is Slava Kokena. He is the cocaine supplier for President Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, thank you, Slava Kokena. And with that being said, Matthew, to you. Because Zelensky has proven that, that Ukraine is more than a place. It is an idea. And it doesn't matter if you are in Ukraine or in Jamaica. He is always where, he, where Zelensky goes. It is Ukraine. It is Ukraine. You, and Ukraine is everywhere, you know? Ukraine is everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> That's actually funny. Jens Stoltenberg today, he was giving a, uh, a crazy, crazy speech just a few hours ago. It ended the head of, uh, of NATO. Oh, another brilliant guy. Saying, a, We're not going to give the privilege to the Russians, our enemies, to know where the threshold is upon which Article 5, the Collective Security Pact of NATO, will be activated. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure it, it is very clear exactly where it's going to be activated. And that's the idea of any member of nato getting in a war with russia like it, it's very clear um but these guys are, are are completely quadrupling down they're insane and, and stoltenberg was even saying that um we're not going to he had an eminently sane question from ironically somebody from the financial post 
not exactly the, uh, the, the most rational non-propaganda voice in the world, but they, this, this journalist, a British guy, had a very reasonable question, which is, well, is it wise to go along with this nuclear uh, war scenario, war game exercise in the Black Sea next week as, uh, as you were planning with the whole, you know, World War III danger already pretty close? Maybe we should pull back on that war game? And Stoltenberg's response was just out of this world. Like, he's like, that's the last thing we should do, he said. If anything, that will just make nuclear war happen quicker if we don't do a nuclear war war game exercise right now. Um, and we'll show Putin that we're actually weak, which would be uh, the opposite of the truth. Although he would then say in the same breath, if Russia has any victory in Ukraine, that would be a defeat for NATO. So, I mean, these guys are just like walking contradictions. If you're saying like NATO would be defeated if this non-NATO member is defeated by Russia, who would, you, I mean, you're, then all of NATO is going to be defeated? What does that mean? The, you know, the, the it, mental it, gymnastics in it all are, are wild. You have to be a low IQ moron to believe anything coming out of the West. You Duh. literally have to be somebody who is incredibly poor in understanding history, geography, the geopolitics of the area, or you're just an idiot. There, yeah. there's, it, there's no in-between at this point. Think about it. Who is John Stoltenberg? Who is he? Is he some sort of military tactician? Is he some great, the leader of NATO, the general, whatever, right? The secretary general of NATO? No, he's a freaking guy with a, with a public relations degree and an economics degree from some unnamed university. He has no experience in warfare. So this idiot has no clue what actual warfare looks like. Because, look, let's be honest here. The West has been propagandized into war. The West's concept of warfare is something that happens far away from their shores that they're completely removed from. It only happens to a bunch of, you know, brownies and some third world backwater where their mud huts are getting blown up. It doesn't yeah. happen in a first world country. They're about to get it, Matt. They're about to they're about to not if it's not nuclear war or or, or some sort of a. A, a tactical response by the Russians, it's going to be their own population stringing them up because there's going to be a point where the Germans are like, listen, I can't put enough firewood into my stove and I can't defecate enough to increase the amount of fuel I need to burn the firewood to keep this whole charade going. I've had enough. Yeah, and I think you've set the stage pretty well because we're going to jump in today into some of the energy debacle, into yeah. some of the like what actually is being set up as a self sabotage in many ways by these incompetent morons regarding. Um, well, I mean, you know, Germany is about to receive a lot of an influx of mass migration. That's the last thing Germany needs. They're going to flood into Poland. Many of them are heading to Germany. And when they get to Poland, when they get to Germany, because they don't have any. As of this point, especially like Ukraine already lost 40 percent of its of its energy availability since 2014. I mean, that's already pretty big. But as of the current onslaught in response to the Kerch Bridge uh, sabotage, which, by the way, was British intelligence directed as we've just come to discover. I'll say something about that after. Yeah, MI6 was uh, was uh, coordinating that. Yeah, exactly. And, and the Gray Zone has published something incredible um, on some of the some of those details. But despite that, in response, Russia has done inc like a serious, serious set of strikes, which are going to continue on some vital um, infrastructure that is needed to supply and sustain the entire war machine of Kiev in a way we have not seen yet. This is also going to take, I mean, it's providing a massive hit to what little energy security was there available to Ukraine prior to the Kerch Bridge being blown up. That is now gone. 
Um, and so you're going to have millions of Ukrainians flooding in, like I said, trying to just survive the winter, the coming winter. And they're going to have a blowback because the places that they're jumping into are already deeply sinking um, for completely artificial reasons that could be solved so damn easily. Very. But when you look at the, the onslaught, I mean, there's a lot of um, Western propaganda right now trying to say just how evil Russia is for bombing Kiev and a variety of places. And even the New York Times had to admit that, or not even admit, I won't even say admit, but they're using the number. Like, that New York Times is prolific for making up and blowing up inflating numbers to make uh, a certain Western narrative uh, be sustainable. They even said 19 civilians were killed in the massive hundreds of strikes that were launched by Russia onto Kiev and, and other adjacent you know, Western Ukrainian cities. 19 civilians is what the New York Times said. Many of those might very well and likely were also killed by dysfunctional Ukrainian counter-airstrike uh, counter uh, missile defense shields, but they're not going to say that. Point being is compare that to what CJ had up on the screen. So we're talking now about, as you pointed out, Western hypocritical nations, which around the collective NATO have illegally destroyed nations for no reason, like Yugoslavia, I mean, Bosnia, the, the bombing of the former Yugoslavia, which killed thousands and thousands of people, was a complete breach of any type of international law. That was, that was what ushered in the age of NATO expansion after the Soviet Union collapsed. Run soon thereafter by shock and awe in Afghanistan, and then shock and awe, the same model, applied then to Iraq. Again, as you said, brown people in far off parts of the world, there we don't mind bombing them to smithereens and again, targeting civilian infrastructure, civilian water management from the get-go, from day one, no point for negotiation. There was no space that was given to Iraq for negotiating some sort of a peaceful outcome in a situation where Iraq had nothing, as we know, to do with September the 11th. Um, we know that they had no, no, nothing to do with uh, wanting a nuclear weapon or buying yellow cake from Nigeria. We know that. But despite the fact that it was all fraudulent information cooked up by 10 Downing Street and MI6, picked <clears> up <throat> and accepted and absorbed by U.S. intelligence, the FBI, the CIA, despite that, all of that information coming out largely thanks to Julian Assange and, and other courageous people, despite that, we did this to Iraq with 33 countries collectively doing a massive hellish bombing campaign, shock and awe. Um, and we don't have to watch this a whole seven minute um, on the ground video, but CJ could just like bounce around a little bit to the actual strikes of what your average civilian in Iraq um, had to suffer from. Because that's what the U.S. does. They go ahead and they target civilian infrastructure. Their goal is to create as much civilian suffering as possible. And we see that today with U.S. and, and, and uh, Western Intel providing telemetry and targeting for the, uh, the for the shelling of the nuclear power plant. Yeah. If it creates a, a, a nuclear uh, um, um, uh, fallout, then so be it. If millions of people get poisoned and killed and die, so be it. If there's depleted uranium rounds dropping in Fallujah in Iraq and it causes birth defects and the rise of cancer times 2,000%, so be it. Because yeah. to these satanic pedo faggots, it's the end justifies the means. Yeah. And the, U the U.S. Air Force, even public, like they made pu public their own 1994, uh, what's it's called the 
strategic attack of national electrical systems as the most effective means of conducting a regime change in 1994. This is an open conference, an open white paper that was made. They had already done this in Desert Storm, but they went and made this like official um, attack. The destruction of civilian infrastructure, electricity infrastructure is the first thing you have to attack when you want to overthrow a government. And they did this in Libya after Iraq. Um, And I would say even, you know, they didn't even, it wasn't just that. They also targeted heritage sites museums, anything that would allow for a cultural memory to uh, exist. Because ultimately, you know, a lot of these technocratic liberal fascists that we see now really come to the surface acted like they were critiques critics of Mm -hmm. the Dick Cheney neocon policy of burn the earth, scorch earth. But in reality, it was all very uh, synergistic because what they wanted is a reset of civilization, the cutting off of all civilization of their moral, ethical, religious, national values. And that's Madeleine Albright right there, who literally said in regards to the 500,000 children who died as a consequence of the bombing, the destruction of Iraq the first time around, was it worth it? Would you do it again? Yes, it was worth it. Yes, we would do it again. Um, And this is the woman who looked at Russia in the 90s and, uh, you know, commented on the on, on de-Russifying the world, uh, on, on breaking up Russia. She was talking about all of the bountiful minerals and resources in Russia. And she said, there's too many resources there for one nation. And she was, of course, talking with Zbigniew Brzezinski and others about the need to balkanize all of Russia, undo Russia's existence as a civilizational force and bring it under the control of those who are you know, more responsible in managing the resources that it happened to be located on this under the soil of that country, especially in the Arctic. So, uh, yeah, these are these are sociopathic, sick, sick people. She was also a follower of H.G. Wells. <laughs> As a side note, she also yeah. openly said that she was a disciple of Wells. And if anybody reads Wells, I mean, some people, some people might've heard that and they were like, Oh yeah, she likes science fiction. So do I. (laughs) I was a big fan of HG Wells time machine. That's not what she's referring to. No, that is not, that is not, I mean, maybe in some weird sick way, uh, she might actually have this idea like Kissinger does when he, cause that was Kissinger's sort of idea. I think in a certain way, when he wanted to divide the world up between the, the producer, the producer industrial poor people who would do all the dirty work and yep. the beautiful, the beautiful consumer people in the first world who would just consume and just be ultimately useless, the useless white Caucasian, Anglo-Saxon, whatever people in the, in the first world. And, uh, you know, Kissinger had this idea that I think was very much in alignment with what Wells was talking about from the standpoint of the Morlocks and the LOI and the LOI a million years are evolved into these like idiotic, you know, beautiful people who periodically get kidnapped and eaten by the underground Morlocks who co-evolved in a separate, uh, you know, genetic uh, branch. Mm. These demonic underground industrialists who just cannibalize <laughs> the above ground people. I think in some ways that that actually did animate the the globalization dualism of the first and third world societies. Um, which Albright definitely was a fan of that. But H.G. Wells also wrote nonfiction too, where he laid out very clearly, if anybody was a little confused or ambiguous about what his actual purpose in life was as a cultural warfare specialist and grand strategist, just 
They only need to read his Open Conspiracy or his 1940 New World Order or the World Set Free even earlier that he wrote in 1914, where he literally lays it all out. Like, you know, this is the way it's going to be. And he's calling for a, essentially a transhumanist governing religion for a managerial Masonic elite that will manage the, le the levers of consumption, production, and permissible thoughts in the form of his world brain that he writes extensively about, which is effectively Wikipedia, that controls the definitions, that controls um, the, per the permitted uh, ideas you associate with words, which will be highly dumbed down. I think he wanted something like 800 words permitted in the English language, heavily controlled um, by the world brain and uh, open to redefinition. So having definitions not really set in stone uh, the way the old wisdom used to think that, you know, there was a truth associated with words. But in the Wellesian view, it was, no, sometimes truth is all based upon what is expedient for the ruling class. And sometimes what's expedient in one moment, you might want to change the definition of what is true for a word in another, you know, in a decade or something when a new situation arises. So you have to have a flexibility. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what that battle in Albright is much sicker than people realize. I mean, she's evil. She's Aleister Crowley in drag, man. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, the, the fact that Russia has, they, they, they are, I think, generally speaking, I mean, Med, Medvedev even said this. Uh, I've got a little uh, quote here from Medvedev where he said, um, you know, Ukraine strikes only, the Ukraine strikes are only the first episode of the response. There will be more. The mm -hmm. Ukrainian state is... Uh, in its current configuration with the Nazi political regime will pose a constant and direct and clear threat to us. Therefore, in addition to protecting our people and protecting the country's borders, the goal of our future actions, in my opinion, should be the complete dismantling of the political regime of Ukraine. Absolutely. Now, he's taking a bit of a hard cop approach to this. I think that's his assignment because then Lavrov came out just uh, was it last night saying, you know, um, Zelensky... I have faith that he might even be able to turn uh, to turn back his personality a little bit and, and come back to the negotiating table and renege on some of what he had said, because ultimately, let's get it. Let's let's be honest. He's an actor. And if his handlers uh, who are cutting his paying his bills, tell him you get you need a new script. He'll he'll probably do that because he's not his own. He's not his own man. And we know that because a different right. time before Bojo came to town in March. Uh, no, May 5th. Uh, remember, Bojo just sort of mm -hmm. showed up. In, uh, in Kiev, unannounced. Why did Bojo come up unannounced? And what happened in the wake of it? Well, it, what he did, what was being planned, and it was very close to happening, was Zelensky had agreed to meet with Putin. Already there had been several attempts to create peace negotiations. We saw that with the Istanbul uh, efforts um, a few weeks earlier. In March, even. It was in March. And those got sabotaged when the Ukrainian side, who were very happy at the time to negotiate some form of agreed-upon peace negotiation with Russia, um, the lead negotiator found himself dead um, right after some big successes. So you definitely had some inner um, sabotage going on. But Zelensky still, despite all of that, agreed, maybe he, I guess he had some good advisors at the time, to go ahead and meet with Putin until Bojo comes to town. Bojo comes to town, you know, there's that famous video of him getting out of the out of his limo, wiping his ass, and then immediately shaking Zelensky's head <laughs> just to show the amount of disdain he actually has for this tool. But coming out of that, Bojo gives a speech in Kiev, says, you know, Putin is to be pressured, not negotiated with. Um, he leaves a lot of very 
firm ultimatums. And he even says that if, if Ukraine does come to any type of treaty or negotiation with Russia, it will not be honored by either the UK or any NATO member state. So like, who are you to come and even say that to a non-member NATO member? All that to say, Zelensky immediately comes out, Bojo leaves, and within two, two, three hours, he immediately says, there's no negotiations, we can't talk to Putin. So the guy's definitely a, a, a flexible manipulator. Oh, there he is. There he is. That's the handshake. That says it all. That's that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hey, there you go. Hey, right. I love your t-shirt, man. <laughs> Slava Kokaina. Slava Kokaina. <laughs> Slava Kokaina. Uh, but that's one thing they got in common. I'm sure they had some some bonding. Uh, on I'm going to give you the finest passion. cocaine. Straight yeah. from Bolivia. We're going to give it to you. It's no trivia. That's <laughs> good. So, yeah, I mean, like, at the end of the day, um, they, Russia is definitely playing a good cop, hard cop uh, approach or soft hard cop approach regarding Zelensky. I don't know if Zelensky has, has it within him to do this, to actually have any type of rational negotiation, but there's really no choice. Well, one, of the, one of the benefits of having a cornered rat is that he fights for survival. So if there's exactly. a chance that they, he could backstab his own Western lackeys, he could. I mean, let's be honest here. If, if Zelensky is, you know, bought and paid for and bribed by the West, and all of a sudden the winds of, of war starts changing in favor of Russia, especially now that they see that, you know, any Patriot missile system that he's going to get, which didn't work out well for the Saudis against the Houthis, is not going to save his ass when, when Kinzels and Zircons and... Uh, and calibers begin to fall all over Kiev and and and, and Lviv, that could change the entire winds of war, and he could be bought. Somebody who's been bought once can be bought twice, can be bought several times over. So it's, I, it's, it's a possibility. I agree. Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah, and, and I mean, too, like I, I think if it could be communicated to him, just how disposable and non-essential he actually is to his family. I would be NATO, scared. I'm thinking about it. If I'm, I'm a Jewish. Yeah, if I'm a uh, Jewish comedian, I got Azov uh, uh, Yahtzees, right? The Yahtzees are are, uh, are 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 you know to my right and to my left, and they're they're willing to you know put an end to me, my wife, and my kids. I what really? What kind of loyalty does Zelensky have? You got to ask no. yourself a question. Yeah, and uh, we know, and and he should know the uh, the mo of. MI6, the CIA, which at various times will use their tools, their corrupt tools, whether it's uh, uh, Berzovsky or, I mean, there's a whole variety of, of uh, Russian oligarchs yeah. that we have as great case studies of people who were happy to sell their souls to the highest bidder in the 1990s. They made fortunes as mercenaries of uh, a financier class to rape and destroy Russia from within, creating fifth columnists, which are still a problem to this day. Despite that, at certain times they're useful, but when they start, when their usefulness runs out and they run uh, home to their mamas, to their protectors in in London, they often turn up dead. Um, that's something they were, you know, they're they're willing to. <laughs> they they might be more useful dead than alive, and then their, their murder is blamed, of course, on Russia. But the reality was, well, it, all evidence actually does point to MI six, as in the case with Sergei Skripal and his poor daughter. God knows what happened to them at this point, but. <clears throat> You know, Zelensky is somebody who is being used. And CJ just brought up a whole bunch of Vogue News, Time Magazine. Like, they've been puffing this guy up to act like he is some sort of a messiah complex because he was obviously breaking down and not handling himself very well at the very beginning. We saw him, like, 
as a, a cocaine sniffing wreck. He still is a cocaine sniffer, but at the very least, he's they probably changed not supplies. A... They switched from Colombian to Bolivian, so it's probably. a, it's a, it's a better, better purity. Yes, he's exactly. often able to hold his shit together a little bit better. Yes, there is only payback. There is only payback. There is no negotiating yeah. with Russia. There is only payback. It must be giving back the land. He has to give it back. You know, but that's the thing. Like, so they they had him just sort of fill. They, they had to really amplify his ego, flatter him like crazy, bring him on to the Academy Awards to speak. You know, this guy's an actor. And so they, they, they really amped up his ego. But at the same measure, they're willing to wipe him out if it is expedient for their narrative. And, I, and it could as easily be an inside job. It could be done by the, the Ucro, uh, I, as you say, Mazis. I'm not sure if I'm able to say the Yahtzees with a Y. Yahtzees, that's it. Yahtzees. Uh, could be an inside thing there it could be directly from something external hell it could be frankly as we saw planned early on there's a lot of evidence that right before the uh, special military operation that was launched on the 24th of february there was a build-up we saw it in the psyops and in the, in the mass media campaign in the west towards this idea that there would be an inside job launched by the west into um bombing and causing mass destruction in east ukraine blaming it of course, on the Russians, who we were being told by various representatives from the White House, from the CNN, various CIA analysts saying that, yeah, Putin is planning to use um, uh, crisis actors and he's going to destroy his own Russian-speaking majority uh, people in East Donbass and Lugansk and, and he'll destroy them all and he's going to blame it on Kiev. But it, keep in mind, it's going to be Russia that actually does it as an inside job from Russia's side. Yeah. That's what we were being told days before Russia was forced to intervene because obviously they were going to do something very right. serious. Um, so they, you know, th those who are the the actual psychological warfare specialists and, and asymmetrical warfare operators who are warning currently about Putin's blatant, obvious intention to use nuclear bombs on Kiev, which is not true. He never, there's no indication that that is in any way a fact, but they're saying it I'm, I mean, personally, a concern I have is that a something might actually be uh, blown up. And yeah, then I, I have a feeling something is going to get blown up. Yeah, I mean, they're more than they're more than happy to kill as many Ukrainians as they want, civilians and otherwise, in order to advance their geopolitical agenda. And that and the fact Russia. that look, they, they killed a Russian citizen on Russian soil. They mm -hmm. destroyed a pipeline and they blew up a bridge. Mm -hmm. And also, real quick, for the folks on YouTube, we're going to be switching out of YouTube and realize that. And I'm gonna probably have this uh, deleted off of YouTube because I, I said uh, an, 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 a colorful yeah. word earlier in the broadcast. Yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening on YouTube, in yeah. on YouTube. We are going to be removed. See, make sure that's removed. It doesn't even stay there. Make sure that's deleted off of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. YouTube. Let's 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 get off this place. Yeah. Go ahead. We're we're, we're free. We're on censor. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No. Um... Yeah, so I mean, we're we're definitely dealing, and I mean, the fact that they've put such uh, crazy scripts in Zelensky's mouth, I mean, right. or in his head to to act upon, um, he should be warned. I mean, they they had him even say that uh, NATO must nuclear bomb or launch nuclear bombs preemptively on. I know he said power. that in, in in what was it the NATO meeting or uh, in Australia or something like that. It was we, I want preemptive strikes, and then he's changed it when his his uh, press secretary is like. Oh no, he didn't say it was translated wrong. He didn't say preemptive strikes. He meant to say uh, 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 reassuring kicks or, or, or 
pre- preventative uh, kicks, kicks. He was talking about kicking them with sanctions. Like you, they were literally trying to spin it in that direction. But dude, you cannot discount people again. These people who are handling these morons think it's the 1980s that we don't have the internet that we can't go back and listen to a video and have it ter- you know perfectly translated in broken Russian, which is what Ukrainian is in broken Russian as to what the hell this guy's saying. Yeah, I uh, I read those transcripts, and that would have to be some really loose, imaginative uh, translations. I was very tired. Was not Matthew, what he was saying. I'd be very surprised. I was very tired. I was uh, doing five bowls of cocaine, and I said preemptive kick, and uh, the translator he said uh, preventive strike. Yeah. Uh, well, see, that's the thing. These guys go off script. Uh, what should NATO do? Eliminate the possibility of Russia using nuclear weapons? For those maybe just listening, there we're watching a video with uh, subtitles. But what is important, I once again appeal to the international community, as I did before February 24th. This is Zelensky. What's he saying? We need preemptive strikes so that they'll know what will happen to them if they use nukes and not the other way around. Don't wait for Russian nuclear strikes and then say, oh, since you did this, take that from us. No. No, no, of course not. Don't wait for them to strike us. Bend the well down. You apply pressure. This is what NATO should do. Reconsider the order in which it applies pressure on Russia. Yeah, okay. That's pretty clear he's asking for nato to attack russia i don't think yep. he needs sanctions that that he no. doesn't need sanctions they no no nor did, they, nor did he exactly nor did he say preemptive kicks he did not say preemptive kicks no that i am a big fan that. of soccer i meant to say kicks <laughs> yeah no no absolutely not but that's the thing even when uh you know biden that's this that's the thing with these 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 low-level auxiliaries who are just so mediocre they have no they don't even have half a brain and yeah. then Biden goes and says, yeah, we need regime change on Russia to overthrow Putin. He actually says that. Yeah. And then, you know, immediately everyone has to scramble from the Pentagon to the White House saying, well, you know what? He said it, but he didn't really mean to say those words. What he meant with those words was come up with some new story now. Um, so it's constant crisis management, damage control. Um, even Michael McFall, uh, dirty Michael McFall, who tried to organize uh, a color revolution, the white revolution, um, to overthrow Putin back in 2011 when he was Obama's uh, ambassador to Russia. Even he had to come out not that long ago in a public conference. I don't know if it was the CFR or something else, but he pretty much said when somebody asked him, so uh, NATO has made all these promises to Ukraine to uh, join NATO. um, How is that going to work? And his response was, we're never going to let them join NATO. And the guy's like, you mean you've been lying to them? And he's like, yeah, of course we've been lying to them. That's diplomacy. That's how it works. I mean, if that's what diplomacy is in the school of enemy, he's part of the, the Soros school of the National Endowment for Democracy. So maybe that's yeah. what he thought, was taught diplomacy is. Uh, I don't think that that's really quite the solid definition, but none that to, all that to say, they're, there's a lot of evidence that they're, they're just using Ukraine. They're never going to let Ukraine actually get into NATO yeah. um, under any circumstance. So what what this actually means um, as far as their ability to carry out asymmetrical war with Russia, which is really what it's about. This thing began way before February 24th. It goes back even, you know, you could say it began, the war against Russia began eight years ago when the U.S. oversaw the overthrow of uh, the elected government of Ukraine, which technically by the constitutional law of Ukraine is still, um, Yanukovych is still the president of Ukraine. They never actually, the constitution demands a certain amount of the proportion of the uh, the, the the parliament to have voted to have impeached him. Um, that didn't happen. They were short by like 15 votes as Oliver Stone proves in his uh, Ukraine on Fire documentary. So technically- Great documentary. 
Yanukovych is still the legal president. Uh, that's, yep. just, that's a bit of an embarrassment. Um, but even there, you could say, well, the war on Russia, actually, that was a, a, a singularity moment where it shifted gears. But the war had already been going on, as Putin called out in 2007, when he's like, look, we see that there's an effort to encircle Russia with a massive containment around NATO encirclement with a missile defense shield, which we know is not pointed at you at Iran, as you're saying it is. It's certainly pointed at us. And you, if you if it was pointed at, at Iran to defend Europe from Iran, you wouldn't have them in Poland and Romania, especially not Poland. Um, so we know that and the Polish prime minister, especially now, um, has come out even saying we want nuclear nuclear weapons and we want them to be controlled by the U.S. That's what the Polish uh, leadership is currently saying. Uh, Putin has already said that this he, he was talking about this in 2007. Why? It's because Dick Cheney in the 90s with Madeleine Albright and Zbigniew were already saying that they want Russia, not the Soviet Union, but Russia gone. Yep. <laughs> These are the people that created things like the free Russia movement to decolonize Russia to use the different ethnic minority groups. You know, there's, there's 108 of them and simply use various little um, tribes that you inflame with false narratives of their own history to give them a false sense of nationalism so that they want little micro states where there was formerly a Russian federation and have it broken down, like Zbigniew Brzezinski said, into like 13 different micro-federations under the IMF control. And that's what these guys have been doing, and they're still doing that. Today, in Poland, they're having conferences this year with the, uh, the decolonized Russia operation funded by the State Department, the National Endowment for Democracy, and other Western um, intelligence agencies in order to promote this whole idea. Gary Kasparov is a part of it. Kedarkovsky. Uh, Kedarkovsky. I always mispronounce his name. Expat Russian billionaire <laughs> um, is a big part of that. So these guys are, are they're fanatical and they don't realize that reality has completely changed. The idea of what Russia was in the 90s when they thought that they could do this is not the Russia that they're dealing with today. It's a very different, it's a totally different world. And Russia has created a situation where they are in the driver's seat. I mean, I don't see, they thought that, that I mean, the West probably thought, I think that they, not probably, they definitely thought that they would, would have been able to financially destroy Russia by now through sanctions, economic warfare, and other things. That didn't happen. Russia, if anything, has put itself in a much more strong position and if, has solidified their alliances with Iran, which is also why Iran is targeted currently for a massive destabilization with National Endowment for Democracy front groups that are you know trying to create another color revolutionary effort. They already tried this about a decade ago. They're trying this again. Uh, but it's obviously because Russia and Iran and Iran and China have massive economic energy and also security uh, deals that are very, I mean, we're talking about 20 to 30 and plus year uh, policies to integrate these countries around not just the BRICS, but a much broader um, coalition of nations. That's already, that's moving ahead very nicely. So these guys are very insecure and that's why they're also putting out a lot of misinformation into the zeitgeist out of despair. Because we, we're seeing now like all of this weird info that, yeah, Putin, just this week, there was information that was even being picked up by, by mainstream media outlets that Putin has just been deposed by a fifth column grouping. Yep. Is, uh, Got on the heels of Xi being uh, taken out in the coup as well. <laughs> yeah, Xi Jinping, that, that was the story that Newsweek floated. Uh, he was in the middle of a coup. <laughs> See, no, let's say something about that. Let's say something about that. Because there's so much misinfo right now. And... uh 
man, you have Chinese police stations. That's the new one that I'm seeing right now. That's been picked up by uh, what a joke. It's those guys from Epoch Times again. You know, every bloody time they're always there. And yep. uh, these guys are Falun like, Gong, the Falun Gong, New, New Tang Dynasty, uh, media empire, all CIA backed, all CIA yeah. backed. Well, the head of the damn thing in the Falun Gong is ob- like he's a, an L. Ron Hubbard, an Asian L. Ron Hubbard uh, character who lives in a 400 acre compound in New York with a multi billion dollar uh, machine. Under this guy's control, and who's this guy? When you, I, I there's an interview on Time Magazine uh, from 1999 where he talks about how he is a he himself uh, is directly doing battle with intergalactic aliens of various species, yes, um, who have taken over human civilization and have made us perverted. Um, you know, he sounds conservative because he's like, yeah. Uh, critical theory and LGBTQ is a perversion, just like, and, and and he says, just like scientific and technological progress. He's like, any time, all of the scientific and technological progress that has happened over the 20th century is actually caused by the corruption of the aliens who took us over and made it happen to separate us from our spirituality um, and make us more uh, gay. And, uh, and he's, his job is to uh, give initiates who are part of his sect. And it seems like Falun Gong is this nice Qigong breathing, you know, meditation exercise. No, it's actually a, a hierarchical sect. And the higher you go into it and you pass through rites of initiation, supposedly the more secret superpowers you're supposed to receive um, as part of your kind of like what, what is being promised by the Scientologists uh, as well. And you get just more and more enmeshed. Now, as far as the, uh, these, 110 or whatever it is police stations that we've been told are spread out around the world by the 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 Qigong evil Chinese government that's controlling the great reset that's what Steve Bannon and, and others of that ilk say exactly um the the scoop the actual sourcing for it which nobody seems to bother doing the, taking the time to look at is from this thing called Safeguard Defenders which published and I read this thing it's a 25 page a garbage document when you actually like read the evidence that they're bringing of what this thing is this 25 page document well first of all what is safeguard defenders safeguard defenders is a madrid-based operation funded by the national endowment for democracy an open cia front front group and the the european union run by a, a swedish guy who's like part of this george soros school of regime change uh this other guy michael castor who's a, an american expat not even expat. I know he's actually based in America. Both of these guys are of this um, regime change orientation, human rights front, you know, group people, totally disgenuine. They had been kicked out of China when this guy, Peter Dahlin, was uh, told in, I think, 2015 or something that, look, we know that you're actually operating a destabilizing front group, training um, locals, giving them free legal counsel on how to disrupt um, municipal and, and provincial uh governments um, through so-called legal means promoting the cover of, of human rights and anything else, but not really. Um, this guy got kicked out. Now he's based in Madrid. These operations, um, first of all, the 110 or whatever it is, 100 and, I, think it, I think it's 110 of these so-called police stations, three of which are in Toronto. There's like five or six in New York. There's a bunch in Europe. 
are these actually police stations? And when you actually look at the evidence, nope. that they're, they're, they're not police stations. These things were set up over the from the start of COVID. They were set up because what happened with with COVID in China? China locked itself down. Whether that was right or wrong, I mean, I don't know what the hell they what their the strategy is exactly. I personally, as people know, I'm thinking uh, my analysis is that the Chinese intelligentsia are looking at this like a possible and likely deployment of a ethnically targeted bioweapon. Yeah, uh, and that's tra- that's exactly what I'm getting. This is the reason why they've been locking down cities hardcore while the rest of the world's open. They're treating everything that's hitting them as if it's a bioweapon at this point, which I, I kind of see they where they're coming yeah. from. Yeah, and so is Russia. Um, yep. So, I mean, you know, China hasn't, they have not allowed people say, oh yeah, they're running the great reset. Well, no, I mean, China has, um, prevented, they've blocked the introduction of MRNA technology. You have Western corporate or big pharma, uh, executives complaining that China had made promises for two years to bring in MRNA technology into their, into mainland. And they still haven't, uh, they've reneged on their promises and they're bitching and moaning um, because, you know, you had like some Chinese pharmaceutical company that did some merger with some branch of, of Pfizer. And that was supposed to be the big thing in 2020. Never happened. They always pushed back and prevented it. So of the nine different vaccines that are available in China, not a single one is mRNA. Again, there's a lot of pressure on them that they've been resisting. The only way you can get mRNA uh, tech in, injected into you is if you live in Hong Kong or in Taiwan, which both, yes, are part of China, um, despite the fact that the NED uh, complains otherwise, there you can get that. There they're totally open. There you'll also see a massive amount of adverse reactions, uh, bad, bad adverse reactions, especially in Hong Kong. That being said, they've also not done mandatory vaccinations in China mainland, even though we've been told otherwise by those who are supposed to be afraid of China. They actually were induced to take it on for, I think, a day and a half uh, of June of 2021, they had mandatory vaccinations or June, of, or was it this year? I'm forgetting, but it was a day and a half. And that immediately was canceled in favor of the zero uh, COVID policy, which again, you could complain about it, but at the same time, if, the, if they're actually treating this like a potential, we have to be prepared for a bio warfare operation launched against us, ethnically targeted as the neocons even said they would do back in 2000 in their manifesto. Um, then that's a different thing. So all that to say, let's reserve judgment on that one for the moment. And let's look at this claim that they've got these international police stations created since uh, COVID began. Well, number one, that that 25 page document doesn't prove anything that they're saying. It's self-referential either um, claims that they just refer back to their own um, made up statistics, which when you look at the source of those statistics, it's from themselves or another NED front group that never proves anything. Or it's anonymous experts. So an anonymous police officer uh, in China, anonymous, always that, says this. Well, then who, like, how are you, that's, that we've been seeing 80 years of this sort of technique used to destroy countries. Why would we all of a sudden start believing the CIA now? Uh, first of all, that's already shady. But then when you look at what these police stations are, they're not police stations. It's, it's their departments within their consulates to provide emergency aid for people who have been stuck, stuck overseas. There are millions. <laughs> That's exactly millions. what it is. Yeah, there's millions of Chinese uh, people living outside of China. 4.6 million from uh, Fujian directly, uh, a minority area. But I mean, there's millions and they all got screwed. They all got stuck outside of China. They couldn't get back in. They're stuck outside for various reasons. 
they, they need IED replacements. They need all sorts of help. So they provided this extra service to help these people. And you could say maybe, okay, so I, the only thing that they got, they don't, they can't actually arrest a police station. You're supposed to be able to execute the law and arrest people and, and carry out uh, the laws of your nation. None of those things are, are done. There's not a single piece of evidence that that's done. The only thing that I could see is that maybe there is some situation where they are trying to uh, find the many, and there are many um, criminals from China who escaped arrest by leaving and getting sanctuary in Canada, in the U.S., across Europe, but especially in British uh, Commonwealth areas is a, is a big um, sanctuary for a lot of these criminal elements who had to leave after either doing destruction or before they could carry out their, their projects as Bolton complained that, you know, the CIA is having difficulty keep, uh, providing their payments to their, their, their Chinese assets because of the, the social credit and surveillance process. Um, well, now they're international. Did that mean that they're now benign? No, they're still, they're not benign. They're, they're still part of this Falun Gong international apparatus. That's a CIA MI6 operation. Um, so what I have seen is that maybe there are situations where you have Chinese officials who have found ways to meet with certain of these criminal elements and basically give them messages that, look, it's more um, beneficial for your family who may not have access to, let's say, education or uh, the train system unless you come back home and face the charges that are awaiting you. So. China has celebrated, you know, they've said, uh, yeah, we've gotten tens of thousands of these for former, uh, or not former, but these, for these people who had been formerly living on Chinese territory as Chinese doing criminal things who've come back and voluntarily faced their trials and faced, you know, uh, whatever was coming to them. And so maybe you do, do have elements of that from these Chinese consulates. Perhaps that's the case. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. But why is that so bad? Like, you know, I mean, if you're actually going to deal with this international deep state, then yeah, uh, it's not like they're arresting them. So again, all of this is being blown out of proportion. The the transmitters, the conduits are either Falun Gong uh, social media influencers, and there's many of them who have just been amplifying, repeating these types of things. And Epoch Times is a big one. Bannon's uh, War Room and other things are huge, huge promoters of this. This War Room, of course, hadn't even gotten its existence from Miles Go, uh, Gao um, that we've talked about in past episodes, who's was one of the richest guys in China, a billionaire with Zenith Enterprises, who got out to avoid arrest back in 2014 and instituted his, uh, his or reconstructed his entire machine living in a, uh, what is it, a, a $60 million condo in New York, providing all of the seed money for, for Bannon, setting up new media enterprises with Bannon, including this new... Uh, free federation state of China with its own national anthem written by this this guy who's a diva singing his own cheap uh, <laughs> rock bands who he hires to yep. flatter him. And he, and he also does rap videos, man. Miles Gow's rap video, down with the CCP, take down the CCP. Yeah, they put that thing in like the, you know, uh, the, the the top 40. I think it was like the, the top uh, uh, sing, uh, single for like a week, um, complete manipulation because the song's not even that catchy. But all I have to say, yeah, like this guy is a, a, a psychological, just a, a total ego. He has no inner dialogue, obviously. He's a synthetic shell. He was 
his his rise to stardom was made possible by the the, the patronage of Soros's first uh, chairman of the CCP that we always talk about, but I, I, I like bringing it back because people forget uh, Zhao Ziyang, who was the guy who was the chairman of the CCP who co-ran a think tank with Soros. He created an entire atmosphere of uh, libertarian free market ideologues brainwashed by Harvard and Yale from China and then brought back into China with Soros money in order to become the new technocrats, bringing in the fourth industrial revolution that he was celebrating in, 19, in the 1980s with futurists like Alvin Toffler, who were brought into China to craft out a post-nation state um, policy for China as the new sort of Yeltsin, you know, uh, Yeltsinite type of um, weakened monetarist state run by technocrats and transhumanists. This guy was ousted when the, the Maidan coup d'etat of 1989 failed. They arrested this guy. And so and they also arrested Miles uh, Gao. Miles, Miles was arrested for two years at that time. He was part of that whole operation. And when he was let out, I don't know what happened, but he was allowed to reconstruct somehow a big chunk of his empire involving massive fifth colonists and that involving the highest level people, some of the highest level people who had controlled the Chinese version of the, the CIA, the Chinese intelligence agencies, were part of his apparatus. They were used by him in order to bribe and destroy the lives of people who would resist him on municipal and federal levels, even within the, the Chinese Communist Party. And after years of doing this and getting away with it, Xi Jinping comes to power and doesn't put up with this anymore. And within two years, the head of the, you know, the, the top intelligence dog at the uh, at, in China is promptly taken down. His at, Gao's asset is taken down, arrested. He's going to he's rotting in prison for the next, I think, century and a half. Um, the, and the, the whole fifth column apparatus is dismantled and Gao, all of his colleagues go to jail. He somehow finds a way, dresses like a girl or something like Ukrainian Nazis do or something and, and finds his way out via, I believe it was Hong Kong, into the United States. So, I mean, this whole thing is is insipid. It's it's disgusting. It's based on a bunch of lies. It, it's, you know, the same group was saying that Xi Jinping was ousted by a coup about a month ago and their evidence uh, that they were using was that, yeah, there's, and this is like people like Gordon Chang, an American born. <laughs> Another idiot. Yeah, ethnically Chinese, but American born, uh, British soul, complete idiot, wrote books on for like the coming collapse of China uh, as the prophet of China's dis demise. Like, yeah, oh. every year he comes out with a new revision, the collapse of China, collapse of China, yeah, collapse cool. of China. And this guy was like, they're, they were promoting the, this fake evidence that nobody people were so soft-minded that so many otherwise smart anti-Great Reset people were just eating this stuff up based on like out-of-context pictures of convoys of military trucks in China, which we were told was 80 kilometers of military trucks heading into Beijing. And it's like, yeah, if that was true, that would be pretty bad. Except what was found out afterwards, provably through forensic evidence of the, the video footage and other things, is that that was footage taken a year earlier and it was all of something like 17 seconds of footage. So they were saying it was 80 kilometers of convoy, but it was 17 seconds. You can get maybe a, a fraction of a kilometer of convoy in that amount of time. So it was just reframing narratives. Uh, they also said 60% of the flights had been canceled. The reality was um, that had happened, but the previous week that had also happened and the previous week before that, that had also happened the previous week before that, that had happened. And all of air Canada had shut down 9,800 flights the previous, you know, of the previous several months. 
far, I mean, you know, proportionally it's this, it's about the same. So it's like people need to just simply when you're told something um, by a CIA front um, media operation, even if it sounds like it's not like an alt media, if it sounds like a CIA or if it's all, if it's a talking point, which is also being spread in, at, in Fox news and, uh, and CNN and MSNBC and BBC, and then also your alt media, your favorite alt media station also says the same thing. You should say, well, maybe I should reserve judgment and maybe I should like dig in and do a little search of what is the sources of the claim that I'm being told should invoke my fear emotions and shut down my creative thinking. And usually when you do that, you find that you are being lied to and you find that there is a reason why. So very, very important advice. Same thing for Putin. You know, when we're told by, you know, Bolton is saying that Putin needs to be assassinated, even though somehow Ukraine is kicking Russia's ass. But the only way Ukraine can win is if we assassinate Putin or that a, a fifth column operation within Russia has just deposed Putin. If you're if you're being told these things, don't just spread that stuff on social media uh, and, and have a, a meltdown. Like, think a little bit about how there is just bogus lies and psyopy, psyopy stuff all over the place because the enemy which is unfortunately running a big chunk of our part of the world is weak and desperate. They're not strong. And out of that insecurity, all they can do is lie and try to destabilize. That's the best that they've got. That, I mean, he's running out of options. Yeah. They, 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 they cannot keep fighting. They've lost too many men. They've lost their rear flanks. They have no way of supplying. The supply chains have been cracking. And most importantly for Zelensky, he's running out of cocaine. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. And, and right now they're blocking Slava Kokana's boats from coming in. This is going to be a huge issue. I don't know how he's going to get through this, man. I don't know. I, I um, it's going to be. It's a, it's probably the biggest crisis of of his lifetime. I I, I hope that uh, that something can be provided to give him some sense of relief uh, coming out of this because obviously that's that's a lot of like having to deal soberly with the current uh, mess that he's been that he's created for himself. Um, that could break somebody. So you do need something, hopefully it's something less destructive than cocaine that he could get on. Maybe he could start, you know, reading some Plato or reading a book of any sort, maybe listening to some music or something, develop a, a real skill, perhaps, you know, give, give himself a, a new mission in life that, that could reconstruct him a little bit over, over part of his healing process in rehab. Uh, but definitely he's in a bad place. I don't, yeah. I don't really know. I agree. I don't know what to do. Matthew, we're in the closing minutes of the show. Anything you'd want to say? Uh, anything that you want that you want to comment on that you're focusing on that's on your radar screen? Well, look, I I think that we need definite. Um, we definitely need to think much more top down right now. I mean, a lot of people who don't like the Great Reset are obviously very easily sucked into the type of narratives that have been set up, as we've alluded to in the course of this show and previous shows, to this idea that uh, the big bad guys that they should really be afraid of are the Chicom uh, super villains. Um, if you're on the left side of things, you tend to, you're, you're much, you know, what's being catered to you is the idea of the Russian bad guys or the actual super villains. The reality is, Look, it's the same British Empire, and ultimately, when you get behind or you dig a little deeper, the British Empire that you thought existed was not the same British Empire that really existed. The British Empire itself is just a continuous oligarchical parasite which took over Britain. Again, you know, it was a there was a Venetian takeover of Britain. Yep, 
took them about 150 years to consolidate that power from the uh, the death of King, really 200 years even, from the death of, of King Henry VII to the, uh, the, the brainwashing of uh, Henry VIII and the, uh, the killing of Thomas More, which mm. Henry VIII oversaw when Thomas More disagreed with Henry's decision to, uh, to basically splinter up uh, the, the, the church even more than it already was by creating a new church with the, the monarch as the head of it uh, called Anglicanism. When, when Thomas More disagreed with that and Thomas More was sort of the heart and soul of the best of, of, of Britain at the time and really the best of, of humanity at the time because he represented the Augustinian Platonic uh, Christian school um, in, the, in the strongest, most solid way along with Erasmus. When, he, when his head was cut off in, um, in the 18, uh, no, 1530s, I think it was 1534, uh, that was a big win for Venice. Venice had been working hard to both, you know, infiltrate through their their cabalistic secret society Rosicrucian networks around people like Francesco Zorzi. Soon thereafter, people like John Dee, other black magician occultists, were brought into the intelligence apparatus of uh, of England, which brainwashed a variety of kings, including um, King John the uh, well. Anyway, a whole bunch of kings were brainwashed as they continuously worked to create a new deep state, a new set of fifth columns that could wipe out any residuals of true humanism and true state statecraft from within England as they set the stage for a full takeover, which finally occurred in eight, uh, 1688. And it was really consolidated with the Hellfire Club's complete, uh, uh, you know, um, imposition of itself in 1710 with the death of Queen Anne. So, I mean, you've got now a process where this parasite took over Britain from Venice. Venice had formerly been the center command structure of this evil parasite, especially after they destroyed uh, whatever was good that remained in the Byzantine Empire around Constantinople and forth in the early 15th, uh, 15th century, using their proxies of uh, within the Ottoman Empire. They'd also previously used their uh, their Mongolian proxies, again, kind of like the way that the, the empire today uses ISIS to destroy any type of target country that represents uh, ancient traditions and values that want to be toppled. Well, they use ISIS. They use uh, Nazis in Ukraine to do it, these dark age movements. That's the same thing that they did with the, the formula that was, that was deployed to give rise to and deploy uh, Genghis Khan and his his children and grandchildren to carry out just destruction, burn the earth uh, policies against all of Asia, the Middle East, the crippling, the destruction of the traditions of the Islamic Renaissance and uh, a lot of Europe, even all the way throughout Euro Kiev and Rus and, uh, and a lot of the East, East uh, European zones that were competition for the Venetians. So this is the same, you know, Roman imperial parasite, the same Roman oligarchical families, the same priests using the same techniques, but modified of uh, crafting Gaia cults, but given new names from Sybil to other things that have the same techniques of utilizing Apollo Dionysian dualisms onto both their, their elites that they want to brainwash, as well as the masses, you know, Apollo Dionysus being the old formula of creating synthetic movements that break the 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 worshippers into these um, hedonists by night, Ap Apollonian uh, Stoics by day, who just do duty to be to be dutiful, but they actually don't 
mature when you think that way in a Kantian framework that I should be good because there's a moral categorical imperative to doing good because you should because you should. Because if you didn't, you know, there'd be some like logical utilitarian consequence. That doesn't allow your emotions to properly mature as a human should, because ultimately you should want to do good because it is a pleasure and a joy to do good and to do good for your soul and the health of your soul. That's what a hu a normal, natural, you know, human being who is permitted to mature spiritually comes into that uh, realization early on. Maybe at the beginning, there's a little bit of like whipping yourself at the beginning, but that should not be the forever state. You know, the, the duty thing should disappear as we develop a pleasure for the good. And that's the heart of wisdom. So you can't do that if you're constantly working your nine to five in a state of grueling duty. And then, you know, Friday, you live for, for debauchery on Friday night orgies. Um, you're constantly vacillating between these extremes. That is a perfect way to create a slave society who can't govern themselves. And if they can't govern themselves, well, how the hell are they going to be able to have a democracy, a Republican democracy, of a sovereign nation, if no individual, a sovereign nation only works if each individual within it is sovereign. To be sovereign means you are in control of yourself. You've domesticated the beast, right? You've tamed and and matured your inner basement. The the con the all the stuff that that Carl Jung talks about that sub the subconscious basement stuff that should not be something which is always dominating you. That darkness, right? The in a, in a, in a in a healthy and Carl Jung is a sick freak. You know, the guy himself thought he was getting messages from another another plane of existence. Uh, and I think it was even Mars, like that, that aliens were communicating with him. Um, and he saw himself as like a messiah complex. They, there's even a book called The Aryan Christ going through this with his own writings, seeing himself um, as a new type of Aryan Christ figure running weird orgiastic uh, rituals, occult rituals in the Black Forest with Hermann Goering and other Thule Society occult Nazi SS operatives who go on to run. These people are sick, man. These people are literally like some freaking weirdos, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, there, what I, I mean, there's, and I've noticed this trend among, <clears throat> amongst Westerners, amongst Western leaders, excuse mm -hmm. me. They're all in their own echo chamber. They create these secret societies and they're, they, they're becoming the elite version of, of what like extreme nerds would do with like dun Dungeons and Dragons, except they actually believe it. Yeah, it's yeah, the it's craziest a, thing. It's a game, and you can hear, hear that when you just listen to Jens Stoltenberg speaking in that stupid speech he gave this morning. It's a yeah. game. It doesn't. It's not real for any of these idiots who don't. I don't think they under. Because I mean, how do you understand reality? It's it's because you you have to have made some mental, spirit, emotional discoveries of something of substance in the real world at some point in your life to have a standard upon which you judge what is real, what is not. If these guys had a synthetic construct of a fake culture in a, in a pampered lifestyle that they, that they were born into, and then they were quickly absorbed into a useless educational system designed to make them little cogs in a machine, um, little lawyers who can maybe, you know, use language to persuade, but have no real knowledge of anything that they're talking about, you know, Correct. People are trained to be managers, but have no skill. Look at the, the prime minister. Look at the prime minister of uh, of Finland. Perfect example. Reporter asks her, "What is the exit? What is the exit ramp for, for to to end this war in Russia?" And this smug little, you know, thirty year old bimbo was like, <laughs> who, "Who's been caught partying at clubs?" And God knows what else she's doing. 
like she's like Russia's just got to leave Ukraine. Hm, that's it. That's the off ramp, and walks away. Yeah, like, you get these people like trying to like puff up their their, their chest, like trying to sound tough. Yeah, because that's what they're supposed to sound like. And mm-hmm. there's this idea that they've been given that the only way to have diplomacy is through imposing strength and insulting and pressuring those uh, so-called enemies you're supposed to be interfacing with. And it's like nothing ever worked well by doing that. That I, that's a fake idea of some ho- like you got some weird Hobbesian idea of the the will to power, right? The 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 those who have the greatest strength have the obligation and the power to impose their will onto the weaker. Oh, that's yeah. the uh, that's yeah, thing, right? Yeah. That's the to President Biden's comment last night that Vladimir Putin may need an off ramp to avoid nuclear Armageddon. Uh, what? Um, President Biden said last night that Vladimir Putin may need an off-ramp to avoid a nuclear Armageddon. Off-ramp? What do you mean? From the way conflict. Out. The way out of the conflict. Way out of the, out of the conflict. The way out of the conflict is yeah. to Russia to leave Ukraine. Okay. That's the way out of the conflict. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so cool. I'm going to walk away now. She's really in a high school cafeteria. Literally. Yeah, she thinks the world is her high school cafeteria, and she that's just has it. to be that cool alpha girl. That's it. Yeah, no, that's that's insane. She, she's the she's the boss girl. Yes, yes, queen. Yes, <laughs> oh, she's the boss girl. Yeah, that's not how this works. No, I mean, well, these people are gonna have to eat some humble pie at some point. Uh, They're going to this winter. You know, this winter is gonna be a big humble pie experience. Uh, I mean, I would say eating, but maybe they'll just have to smell or look at pictures of humble pie. Because there's a you know artificial food scarcity, I don't think there's any wheat to make that pie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're gonna be eating their own pets. Yeah, yeah. Slava cocaina, bro. I, That's I it. pet, uh, pet pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah. I look forward to next week's uh, roundtable when we get all of us together. It's gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be exciting, uh, folks. Once again, it's Matthew over at thecanadianpatriot.org. Canadianpatriot.org risingtidefoundation.net also subscribe to his substack and whatever you do get the books you need the books clash of two americas volume one two and three recommended reading from yours truly and for all of you listening slava (laughs) cocaine dj take it away